All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to your very favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I'm your co-host, Mike L, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. And today, we're going to be taking a look at some Spidey comics from April of 1985. That's right. And we, as usual, have returning permanent guest host, G.I. Jolie. <laughs> returning semi-permanent. I don't want to fully commit. <laughs> Well, after this she, week's selection of comics, just, I can see why. But anyway, yeah. Well, I mean, she's a part of the show until our writers decide that she has schizophrenia and, and we write her off. There you go. Yeah, I'm expecting it soon. <laughs> We're just here to have fun. <laughs> so yeah, this week there's no Deborah Whitman. There is a little bit of Black Cat, though, right? Just the tiniest just- little sprinkle. I mm-hmm. thought we were done with her, but I guess not. Okay. Yeah, I thought so too, but here we are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, this week we also have um, the first ever issue of Web of Spider-Man, which is kind of replacing Marvel Team-Up. Right, um, right. Thank yeah, God. Yeah, it, it start, started in April of 1985 and it ran for 10 years and uh, finished with uh, finished in 1995 and um, something I actually didn't know about it was it finished because it turned into um, almost like a spinoff of the Clone Saga. I think it, I think it followed Ben Riley. Yes, huh. th- th- and then renamed, after that, yeah. it sucked. They canceled it. <laughs> I think what happened was they renamed all the Spider-Man comics. Like Web, they they they, re- they restarted Web of Spider-Man over at number one and called it Web of Scarlet Spider. Right. right. Uh-huh. Then it was, I mean, I could be wrong about this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Web of Scarlet Sp- Spider and then maybe Amazing Scarlet Spider. I'm not sure. But then I think, I think it was Spectacular was, uh, Scarlet. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. But then when they, instead of going back to Web of Spider-Man, I think they, they went with um, Sensational Spider-Man by Dan Jurgens. A new number one and then that only lasted a few i think dan jurgens quit after like less than a year and anyway spider-man was a complete mess by that point so right and i think that they also started everything that was when they started like rebooting all of the comics to number one right 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 yeah right around that time you're right because unfortunately even amazing spider-man got rebooted then it got rebooted again like three four more times so that's sort of the whole trend Mm -hmm. um also i want to point out that uh, as we've proven on the show, Marvel Team Up was certainly the black sheep of the family. It was definitely the you know the B team. And then when they started Web of Spider Man, I'm sure they had good intentions. But judging by this issue, I mean, I love Louise Simonson, but she was the same writer that did the last two issues of Marvel Team Up, and Greg Larocque's the same artist. So it's pretty much it's pretty much this could have been you know Spider Man teamed up with the black costume. It's pretty much an issue of Marvel Team Up, and then the next issue is pretty much the same too. And then we find out, if you read the letters pages this month, that um, Danny Fingeroth is leaving his editorial duties, and he's becoming the regular writer of uh, Web of Spider-Man, starting with, like, number four or number seven. And I'm thinking, huh. he's a B... Like, no one had heard of this guy. Why are they giving him a Spider-Man title? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so then I know that coming up, he'll only last a little while before he gets replaced. And really, Web of Spider-Man did not find its footing until maybe issue 17 if not much later around issue 35 ish or 37 ish when jerry conway took over so really this title was kind of it kind of stumbled out of the gate right from the beginning so 
And I also just want to quickly point out that this is the first month that Jim Osley becomes editor of the Spider-Man line. Although in one letters page, he says he's editing. He only says spectacular, which is weird. I didn't know if they split up editorial duties at this point. But Jim Osley at the time was only, I believe, 25. He was mm-hmm. also the first ever black um, write, uh, editor at Marvel Comics. Hmm. And he was given the Spider-Man line. This was arguably well this was their second most popular line after x-men um and in my humble opinion this is my favorite period of spider-man starting right here up-until the death of the hobgoblin so um i mean there are a lot of fill-ins there's a lot of problems in this era but he resided over my favorite era with you know peter david writing a lot of the stuff uh mark beacom doing a lot of the art uh kyle baker on inks and i think that this era spider-man guts gets a lot a little bit more adult which i prefer mm-hmm. um but anyway okay so um we are also changing our reading order so now um, we're going to be going web of spider-man amazing spider-man and spectacular spider-man so we have uh so unfortunately who's doing web this week i don't remember that's me that's yeah. right okay josh gets those amazing honors <laughs> all right there you go so take it away josh so uh so I know that you said you didn't really like this issue. Mike, it's not bad. No, it's not. Bad. But it's not bad. It's definitely not the Marvel team up level of painful to read. Right. Um, <laughs> it, in, in my opinion, uh, I think the art was really great. I thought that the stuff with the um, oh, what did they call themselves? The Volturettes or something like that. Uh, that was really fun. But yeah, something. it was something Vulturites or something. <laughs> something. Um, and uh, their dialogue back and forth was super fun I think where it really falls apart is Spider-Man's inner dialogue is so painfully like uh, sad boy yeah and it's Mm -hmm. it's just like narration for narration's sake half of the stuff that he's talking about we don't need to know we don't need to like Instead of having a flashback to what happened in the past, we're actually just seeing Spider-Man get dressed and him talking about the symbiote instead of a flashback happening or just moving on with his day and doing something. Like mm-hmm. the, this, this beginning part of the book really kind of is just him recounting the fact that the symbiote uh, attached itself to him and he got rid of it. But we don't actually see any of that in the flashback. So it's just this boring dull narration and they could have they could have gotten away with him saying uh something like man i sure do miss the symbiote costume but i'm glad that it's it's not uh attached to me anymore or something you know what i mean like a simple line to say Mm -hmm. the symbiote is no longer a part of me and i'm glad that it's being tested on it's in the proper care but no it's it's like two pages until we get the reveal that the symbiote has disguised itself as Peter Parker's costume to trick <laughs> him into putting it on. Right. And when that happens, he starts swinging through the city. And that's when we meet these like vulture goons. Right, um, right. And I mean, they, they call them like they're, they're like gang name has the word vulture in it. And they have like these vulture type suits, but they never flat out say, we're working for the vulture, which is super fun. We right, didn't right, we didn't right. have to like stop the action as to what's happening and describe, oh yeah, the the vulture, and then have a flashback to the vulture and right. how he 
you know, went to prison and all that. They just mm-hmm. throw you in with these new characters and their dialogue and their banter back and forth is actually super fun. So right. uh, they put on their costumes and their whole thing is they're trying to do some recon on Spider-Man to kind of see where he's at. And then they're supposed to group up and then attack them, attack Spider-Man together, I believe it is. But um, when they do find Spider-Man or the one of the guys finds Spider-Man. He's kind of like jittering on the side of the wall and kind of going. It looks like he's just going crazy, but but really he's fighting the symbiote that's attached to him. So the that guy decides to take it upon himself to go and attack him alone. And when that does happen, um, uh, Spider-Man is kind of able to control him and steer him towards this like bell tower. And by that point, a bunch of the other vultures have come and joined uh, to fight him. But uh, Spider-Man is able to make his way to the bell tower and uses the bells to uh, detach the symbiote from him because he knows that it's effect uh, it's affected by sound. And uh, when this happens, the vultures leave because the noise is just too painful. And Sp- uh, Peter Parker is left costumeless on the ground and is pretty much dying from the the, the sheer sound. Of, of being underneath this giant church bell and the symbiote uh climbs back up grabs <laughs> peter parker and pulls him down underneath so he's safe but doing so the symbiote sacrificed him itself to mm-hmm. save spider-man and it dies it kind of like dissolves and and disintegrates from the right. sound <gasps> so um i don't know it's it's kind of a nice story um Again, I think it really suffers when Peter's by himself because that's when the writers decide that this is where we're going to dump all of the exposition. Right, right, right. Um, again, the, the all of the, the Vulture Gang stuff is super fun. I love right. their dialogue and banter together. You have like mm-hmm. the, the leader. You have like the wimpy one who doesn't uh-huh. want to rob the old lady. You have um, you <laughs> wow, have like the, the badass. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. You, you have the you have the, the badass who's like doesn't take anybody's shit and and is kind of like the rebel of the group so like uh-huh. all of them together is really nice because you you kind of get that they have their own personalities without having to again go in and explain each person's backstory and just like drag the comic um mm-hmm. no they give that job to peter parker this week <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah what did you think mike What's your thoughts? I definitely, you know, it's funny about this issue and I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I've read some of these comics so many times and it's like, I read it, then I like it. Then the next time I read it, I don't like it. Then I Mm -hmm. sell it. Then I buy it again. Then I read it and I like it. And, and this time I really liked it. And then I, and I was disappointed to go through my collection and find out that I sold it because the last time I read it, I didn't like it. But uh, no, you're right. Like the the dialogue between these guys was really realistic, and I think I didn't appreciate it maybe at one point because I hadn't had all these other issues of Spider-Man to compare it to. But mm. the dialogue mm-hmm. is so much more natural. And I also noticed that you know we've criticized Greg LaRock's art in some of these issues, but I noticed when the Vulturians are putting on their costumes. If you notice on digital page seven. Mm-hmm. It's just when they're putting on their costumes, you can see the body language of like you you mentioned kind of like the leader and then you see the one guy in the background who's kind of like looking up in the sky, like really reveling in his power. And then 
I like how we have the one guy say, gripes, put those away. And then you see that the guy is holding a knife and a gun, right? But mm-hmm. yeah. again, because this is a you know 1980s Marvel comic, we're used to having everything spelled out where you might have like a thought bubble or an explanation. No, you have to look at the art and you have to look at the dialogue and you have to, oh, he's talking about the gun in his hand. But I'm so used to being everything being spoon-fed that I'm mm-hmm. almost like, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this. This is actually utilizing the art form the way you're supposed to. You're supposed to take in all the information you're given and put the story together in your head. And I can't believe this comic is actually doing it. So yeah, like I, I agree with you. It's definitely not perfect, but it's a step up for sure above a lot of the stuff we've been reading. So I really did. Yeah, I, I did like this issue. Uh, mm-hmm. G.I. Jolie? Uh, I really liked it too. Um, I thought that the adversaries, the the the, the Vulturians as adversary were really great. Um, and and I agree with Josh. I could not stand Peter. Like usually, <laughs> usually I can't stand Peter, but this issue was like almost unbearable to read. Like this the. Just the nonsense that he's thinking about while he's swinging around trying to get this like the the symbiote suit off, off of him. It's like, Peter, stop. You're, right. You're, you're like, this is worse than he's ever been, and he's usually, he's usually a sad sack, but he was like even sadder as uh, mm-hmm. he's a, he was in even even sadder sack in this in this issue, and it was like, um it was terrible mm-hmm. at the end of the at the end of the story when the symbiote saves him i wonder they had also written a line which i felt was kind of sweet let me see if i can find it uh where it was like uh what did it say let me get to the end here he was like he doesn't know why he's doing this but in becoming or in becoming Peter something, something, something. Like, not only was he trying to become Peter, but he also adopted emotion. Right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So he was like, um, uh, so that's why the symbiote goes back and saves Peter, but will he regret it? And I almost, I almost felt like, it's like, did Louis Simonson write that to explain, oh, like to explain why? We got all that inner monologue dialogue, like why we got all that inner monologuing between the two of them. Um, because that's a pretty weak way to explain that for three pages, you bored us to death with Pete's bullshit. No, I, I don't think she was trying to explain it. I think it's just... I don't think so either. She's right. a better writer than that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that a lot of that inner dialogue happened before he even put on the costume, right? Right, it mm. did, yeah. For like so, two or three pages, yeah. Yeah, mm. so I, I think that it was just um, setting up things for the future, I, I think right. mostly uh, with the, I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, with the symbiote coming back and uh, bonding with Eddie and becoming Venom and in, in that relationship, because that it, Eddie already has a relationship with Peter, and then the symbiote also has a relationship with Peter and Spider Man. So Venom kind of is like, it's almost like Venom is a brother to Spider Man. 
in a sense because they're so like related and connected in that way i mean venom gets his powers only because uh the symbiote is so attached to peter already and spider-man right you know the symbiote models models itself after um spider-man from then on out so uh yeah i think this is kind of almost like the start of that relationship and and to almost humanize the symbiote and venom right and and i gotta give props again to louise simonson i think that it's her that thought of this cool ending with uh, the symbiote saving Mm -hmm. peter parker i've seen this kind of thing before um you know she's just she's a smart writer she thinks of things that other people don't think of, and that's why I've always liked her. Although I, I admit I've wavered. Like I said, I sold this, I bought it, I sold it. I really wish I had it still, um, but unfortunately I did sell it. Um, I also want to quickly mention this is now the second time we have seen a cover from Charles Vess. Uh right. Julie, what'd you think of this cover? Um, I love Charles Vess. Mm-hmm. I love him, and this is like really good. Yes. What does it remind me of? Oh, you know, like all of the like the children's fantasy that I read, right? Like, when I was a kid, it were like just the way that it's, the way that everything is modeled and the way that everything is colored. It's mm-hmm. it's just really reminiscent of that, right? And He's very much a fantasy painter for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really, it's really awesome, and um, <laughs> the logo is super fun, mm-hmm. even I though it's love very the like. Logo. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty superhero-y, but like, web of is like a red web, so, because he's a spider, like, anyway, I don't know, I love it. And it's like attached to the other, like, bulkier, yeah, it's it's nice. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Josh, what do you think of the cover? Yeah, it's fantastic. I really love, uh, like Jolie was saying, that fantasy style, he's very good at doing that, like, I think he he's the one who illustrated for stardust correct yeah 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 so this this definitely reminds me of that and it has this like really um like like uh it is it, very solid like you can feel the form of everything right. mm-hmm. like it, it's it's very three-dimensional like it, it's not 3d rendered but you can feel the depth of everything in in the cover i mean even the the background is it really feels like it's getting further and further away um i love the texture in in the way that it's painted as well it's it's fantastic yes really good more to come from him and uh so yeah i, I like the fact that this is a standalone issue i think it's kind of like it's a it's a well-remembered story because it's it's really the only story with the costume in between him getting rid of it and then Venom coming. So it's really the only uh, symbiote story that we have in this in-between era for another maybe three years, two years. But anyway, so I think that's why Mm. it's remembered as a classic. But anyway, Mm -hmm. so I I definitely recommend this issue and I wish I didn't sell it. Uh, Josh, what about you? Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a recommend for me. It wouldn't be at the top of my recommendation and I would mostly be recommending it for the uh vulture gang and the ending with the symbiote i really Mm -hmm. love the last like two three pages with almost like no dialogue no reading you're just watching um this like alien 
like goop monster save <laughs> peter and it yep. it kind of had you can 100% read the emotion on this like mm. pile of slime's face yep as it's <laughs> as it's saving like its only friend essentially that's a good point actually and i want to quickly ask you guys because we all saw the venom movie this is mm. a different symbiote than we saw in the movie do you prefer venom or the symbiote to be silent and kind of benign or to be evil and talking about how he was a loser on his home planet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is definitely more impactful. Right. Um, it, it, I definitely sympathize with this symbiote more than I would from the movie. Right. I think that the movie, um, even though it's, pretty different from the comics i did also kind of enjoy the relationship between the symbiote and eddie brock in the movie that was really i think the only thing it had going for it is that like fun dialogue between the two right um but i think that this definitely works better and is is what i prefer right yeah me too i mean i can only handle like one guy talking about how big a loser he is and Peter's doing enough of that for everybody. <laughs> good point. Good point. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we're going to move on now to mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man number Yay! 263. 263. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the, the way that I dealt with this was that <laughs> there is a lot, but there's also nothing. Uh-huh. So I had to write down right. the my little summary so bear with me so this issue is by tom defalco with uh ron friends reading and bd on art inking pencils etc so in this issue it's like a cut back and forth story between two stories one the story of ollie osnick and two the story of peter parker so yeah I'm going to jump back and forth. I I decided that I was going to jump back and forth while I told the stories because the book did it so effectively. There was no Mm -hmm. way of telling each story uh, separately. Right. And and the story making sense because they intertwine. I think they're supposed to mirror each other, but they don't really do that well. So I'm going to cut back and forth. Here we go. Okay. So this begins. (laughs) It begins with Ollie Osnick who has turned himself into a superhero. So he's created himself a little spidey suit, like a little red and blue suit with like equipped, and he's equipped it with like robotic spider legs. And he's calling himself the spectacular spider kid. Now, just in case anyone needs the reminder, um, we've met Ollie before in spectacular number 72. He plays the young sir who, uh, who, idolizes doc ock so yeah just in case anyone's wondering why does he have robotic spider arms well it's because his little this little um fan group of supervillains that he was a part of they dress like their favorite supervillains so he had created himself this big doc ock uh suit so he just turned the he just you know changed into a spidey spandex and then he turned the octopus arms into spider-man legs and he uses that to kind of propel himself throughout the city um so anyway he's out for a rip on his new robotic spider arms (laughs) and he stumbles on a gang called the blazing skulls who are in the middle of mugging 
an older couple in a dark alley. So Ollie, because he's a super kid, he's he's spider kid now. He swings down there to stop the robbery in progress, but his robotic spider legs like trip up because he's a kid. Um, and they cause him to clumsily sort of plummet to the ground. <laughs> so the two skulls are like perturbed. There's like two blazing skulls down there and they're kind of like perturbed that their robbery in progress is being interrupted. So they descend on him on Ollie, but like in the background, the police, the police are coming and then they get chased away. But on their way out, they threaten this kid. If they should cross paths again, he's toast. So anyway, cut to Spider-Man, who, like we mentioned earlier, this is where we get some black cat. This little small sprinkle. Spidey is swinging around the city with a black cat, and it's not clear what time of day it is, but it looks as though they're sort of wrapping up what must have been like a long night at work. Uh, because black cat's like inviting him to go home for snuggles. Uh, but unfortunately for Peter, the mood goes super sour once they start to talk about Kingpin and her new powers. So this instance, in this instance, like they, they're not broken up and this must've been right after, uh, right after she, you know, gets the courage to tell Peter where her powers have come from. Right. Uh, so Peter makes a snide comment about her keeping the powers that she got from Kingpin a secret for so long and surprise because you're an a-hole. She takes it to heart <laughs> uh, specifically, especially since he continues to fumble and says, Oh, who knows how long you've been keeping secrets from me? Like what else are you keeping from me? And God. Yeah. Right. So she refuses to be, here's the thing though. She refuses to be judged by Peter. So it's like, bye, Felicia. And she heads home alone. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Literally, bye. She pieces out, which is crazy because this is not our, what? Who, Who is this woman? She leaves Peter to scold himself for being so petty. Side note. On the last episode, uh, the last episode of Spidercast, they had broken up at the end of Spectacular, right? So yeah. to be reading, yeah, yeah. that's what was to so be, confusing, right? To, to be reading this was like a little bit jarring, right? I mean, I'm not used to her being so in charge of her emotions, right? At least not in the last six to eight months. So this was like really empowering to read. Just that little scene where she's like, "Oh, I butched up, got the courage to tell you what I've been afraid to tell you about." And then you tell me you don't know if I'm going to keep lying to you. One, fair. Two, I'm going home. Like, <laughs> I'm not taking that. When has she ever done that before? Never. <laughs> it it right. almost feels writer. like a retcon. Well, it's a different right? writer, because right? It's, like, well, the thing is, though, it's it's almost like a different ending of them breaking up. Right. Because, right. because Peter finally reveals that... Um, that he knows about the powers and then they break up. Right. Am mm-hmm. I remembering that correctly? Like he, the second he says, I like, I know that Kingpin gave you the powers. Mm-hmm. They break up. 
So why now are they together again and talking about her having powers and keeping it uh, away from him? You're right. It, so it, 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 it just is a retcon. Yeah, it's probably like, well, I didn't like the way Al Milgram wrote that, so I'm just gonna rewrite it. Yeah, it, it really feels. It was it was jarring because we had mm-hmm. followed the one story for so long, and then finally, mm-hmm. finally got an ending to that like piece of crap and then it's mm-hmm. like retconned in a few panels and it's like oh this is kind of nice actually right. this is yeah. what should have happened the entire time <laughs> right this is exactly what should have happened yeah. and that's it i would have been happy if that's if that was the last interaction that we saw yeah between him and black cat but instead we were treated to garbage and then we got this so yeah <laughs> It is it is a little bit strange. But here's the thing. In true Peter fashion, it's like every single person who writes Peter Parker understands Peter Parker for sure. Because he, here's the thing. He doesn't care. He cares very little about what happened. So um, he, he doesn't spend a lot of time dwelling. After all, he's literally a mess. And he hasn't eaten like all day. Uh-huh. And come to think of it. There's a lot of instances where he goes home and eats or remembers to eat and he says it. And I was thinking maybe that's why he treats like Aunt May and his friends and, you know, every single lover he's ever had so poorly. He's like hangry and running on fumes every time you see him. I don't know. That's 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 what I'm going to equate it to. He's hungry. Peter needs to eat more. Because I know how I get when I'm hungry. I get angry. It's very relatable. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. So may- maybe that's all it is. Maybe he just needs a sandwich, or like a saltine. I don't know. Just like eat before you go uh, a out. A single cracker. <laughs> <laughs> Some saltines, fine. Okay, so he so what he does, which is like what what you know most ladies do. He soaks his costume in the sink. Um, and literally, like, takes a, a bag of cookies and a carton of milk to bed. And, like, that's the end of that scene. So weird. <laughs> it's it's just so, it's super strange. And, like, it, the this issue just continues on, like, with this level of, like, slice of life, slice of life strangeness. So it cuts back to Ollie, who's, it must be, like, the next day, because he's at school. And like most of our high school experiences, I'm sure, it includes... A lot of bullying and fat shaming. So, yep. yep, the scene isn't really terribly important to the main plot. and is more of a vehicle to introduce two new characters. So we get Brad Rossi, who is our bully um, and resident piece of S, and Jane, who sticks up for Ollie. And who we find out is Brad Rossi's, quote, girl, because he literally says it. And she doesn't acknowledge it. He's just like, how's my girl? And she's like, you're a piece of shit. Well, I think she kind of does, right? Because she says we're over kind of thing. Like, oh, not yet. (laughs) Oh, right. All right. Sorry. It takes apparently takes more bullying for her to be over with somebody. (laughs) Right. Uh, So and so again, uh, it cuts again back to Peter and Peter has woken up. It's the next day. He's visiting Harry in the hospital because the girls um, at least. Liz is in the hospital after the episodes, after what happened to them uh, with the Hobgoblin. Mm. They were in that burning building, Harry, Liz, and Mary Jane. 
and now obviously Liz is still in there because she's also pregnant. So um, there's a scene where Harry, uh, sorry, Peter visits Harry in the hospital and he finds out that the fate of the baby is like really precarious. And he's sitting with Harry in the waiting room, waiting to hear more news. And he is just listening to Harry and Harry is blaming himself for not being able to save Liz. And Peter quietly takes a moment to empathize to himself um, and remembers how much he loved Gwen Stacy, which was kind of nice because, you know, I kind of forgot about that. And it's been a while since we've, he sat with his friends and just had feelings uh-huh. that weren't like, Hey, can you check up on flash? <laughs> Shishin. Anyway. <laughs> um, he, yeah. So, but here's the thing. He also uses it. It's also sort of used as a moment to remind the reader again, that he doesn't love Felicia. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was written really weird. So it's like, I've loved her. Oh, this his Harry's pain reminds me of Gwen. Gwen Stacy, who I love more than anything, even more than Felicia. Like, really? You gotta bring her into this? <laughs> okay. We we know you love you love you love Mrs. Muggins more than you love Felicia. <laughs> so like don't tell us who you love. We know who you love. Anyway. Um it cuts back to the schoolyard, which is super jarring because we're in this really emotional state and it goes back to Ollie where the bullying and the name calling from Brad and his like posse, like high school toughs. It's escalated. Right. And Jane is so put off. And this is where she breaks up with him, like on the spot, right in front of all of his friends, no less. Mm-hmm. So she's like, that's it. We're through. I told you, I don't like, I don't like somebody who picks on people um, and you embarrassed him in front of the whole school. You're you're done. I, I would have given up on this idiot, too. He deserves it. Mm-hmm. Cut back to the hospital where Mary Jane shows up uh, and takes over Harry watch duty. So that frees up Peter Parker uh, and Peter uh, sort of, you know, He's still looking for the hobgoblin. Uh, and now that he sees that Harry is in so much pain, he feels bad that Harry blames himself. He's like, no, I got to I got to find the hobgoblin. He's got to pay for what he's done. Like he's hurting people. He's now he's hurting my friends and my friends are blaming themselves uh, for not being able to keep themselves safe when, in fact, the hobgoblin is super evil anyway. Um, but here's the thing. He goes to change and re- remembers that his costume is soaking in the sink at all. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> this it. is like, this is crazy because this is like, oh, anyway. So, but he goes home and he's just like, what do I do? But oh, <laughs> he remembers that Black Cat, <laughs> the sweetheart that she is, hand sewed him a black suit so he puts that thing on mm-hmm. admits that it kind of ha- gives him like ptsd to put it on but puts it on anyway and <laughs> and he goes out and he he's like okay i'll go out in this suit which is like it's really odd that he would do that but whatever so uh, while he's out web slinging he sees in the sky a modified spider beacon. 
He knows it's not his. <laughs> yeah. I love this. <laughs> I love this moment. Me too. Right? And he goes to it anyway. And <laughs> he finds on a nearby rooftop, Ollie slash Spider Kid has set up the the fake beacon to like meet him in order to give him his proposal, a proposition that he be his sidekick. But because Peter hates everybody but himself, he Peter splains, or sorry, he spider splains, <laughs> how hard it is to be a superhero and that no one should want this kind of a life. And he rejects the poor kid. This kid has robot spider legs. Like, he engineered robot spider legs. Come on. Like, he doesn't he, he doesn't see the, the similarities between the two of them. But oh well. It's a hard life and you don't want it. And Ollie is so... Re- right? Right? Ollie is so rebuffed and hurt and he retreats. He thought, he thought that he, uh, Peter would be able to relate to a kid like him. But he was totally wrong. And he kind of he's really sad and I am sad. I'm really sad now. Like uh, everybody hates rejection, but like, you know, never meet your heroes. I guess this, this is one of those times. And weirdly, Jane is looking for him. (laughs) She's walking the streets of New York, Brooklyn. Is that where Spider-Man lives in Brooklyn? Queens. Queens. Queens, okay. Um, Jane from school catches up to him and f- she recognizes him from his silhouette. <laughs> yeah, She's that like, was funny. <laughs> I recognize that shape anywhere. Yeah. Where, I mean, but I mean, it is, it is a shape. He is shapes, but rude. <laughs> well, I guess maybe she knows that he was like he has the doc ock arms yeah so it could well, it could be that she like recognized the suit but maybe but I yeah just... it was strange <laughs> it was very strange well when you look like a rubens you're hard to mistake <laughs> in the sky right and she goes oh she she catches up with him and actually like is able to get his attention and he stops because oh boy attention from a woman <laughs> And um, they duck into an alley to have a chat. Let's see. Where am I? Blah, 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 blah. In my nose. Uh, Oh, yes. So Jane from school catches up with him. They duck into an alley. Blah, 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 blah. But wouldn't you know that an alley is exactly where the Blazing Skulls gang is hanging out? (laughs) And they rush. They see him. And they're like, ooh, revenge is ours. We're going to get this guy. Because he foiled our... He foiled our mugging earlier. But here's the thing. Peter grows a soul. <laughs> and let's see. Peter, who seems to only emit the first crappy thought to cross his mind, is feeling guilty. Surprise. For the way that he treated Ollie and has doubled back and helps to help Ollie and Jane. So he helps Ollie and Jane. There's a page of fighting. They web him up. Uh... The kids get saved. Uh, the most important thing about to take away from this is that Ollie and Jane leave arm in arm and Ollie's like, I'm never doing this again. But I'm doing it for a girl. I'm going to give this up for you, babe. 
and then they walk into the sunset which is which is a weird way to give up your dreams but a lot of people marry down so whatever <laughs> right um peter returns to the hospital where he discovers that liz um has had the baby and it's a boy because in the 80s we're still gendering based on whatever genitalia comes attached uh the glow and emotions that fill the hospital room cause peter to have faith in hope again and the next day he visits ollie in full spidey at school mm-hmm. and he threatens bob <laughs> brad brad rossi and his goons with fists mm-hmm. should they ever lay hands on his pal and that's how the book ends and that's it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so um, thoughts thoughts gents <laughs> well i i give it okay like i admire defalco and friends for being disciples of like lee and G- didco like telling a very dense story in only what 23 pages 22 yeah. pages is pretty admirable there's lots of tiny boxes and there's lots of dialogue like mm. there's, there's lots of story here it's just and, and i do like the spirit of it like i like the idea of the spectacular spider kid and and also the spider-man revenge squad which is a this is all kind of satirizing superman I love mm-hmm. that all these ideas. It's just that it's not, I don't think it's a great story. And I don't think, I think it's funny, but not terribly funny. Mm-mm. So it's more like I admire the idea of it more than I actually enjoy reading it. Yeah. 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 So did you enjoy reading it, Josh? And how much pain are you in? Okay. So actually, um, I have a weird um, nostalgia with this book. I remember this book when I was a, when I was a kid. I I think this is like one of the only books that I read from like 85 ish, like from this era as a kid. And Mm -hmm. I, the only thing that I took away from this book as a kid was, Oh my God, there's a kid and he's also dressed up as Spider-Man. I could do that. Right. And, and (laughs) I remember, drawing my own like me as a spider-man with <gasps> arms like this with Shut spider up. arms and it's because uh, of this issue and i have i know i have a drawing of this somewhere from when i was a kid and wow. i'm going to have to, i'm going to have to fish this out and find it so i can show you guys but so i i, I had a weird nostalgia reading it that being said, um, no, it's this was not. This was not great. <laughs> this was great. Um, it's so weird. Peter is so is written so poorly in this comic. Mm. It feels almost as if this story was written, um, in between Peter having the 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 symbiote suit and not having the suit, uh-huh. because the way mm-hmm. he's acting at the beginning feels like Peter with the suit, and the way he's acting at the end feels like after he gets rid of the suit and i wonder if it's like a weird story where it was meant to happen during that time where he gets rid of the suit but it was like pushed aside for a different story because even even peter putting on 
the black costume seems really weird and out of place. Mm-hmm. Like the the only reason he puts that suit on is so that later on, um, Spider Kid can say, "Oh, you're not wearing the same costume as me." Now I've got to change. Like it's for a weird bit. Mm-hmm. I I just didn't get it. It felt weird that he put on that costume. Like I I get the setup too. Like the setup is him with the with the suit in the in the sink as he's washing it and it's still wet so he's got to put the suit on but like wh- why what what's the build up for that what's the reason exactly it it doesn't make sense and that's why to me it came off as this was supposed to be when he gets rid of the symbiote mm-hmm. like it just it just feels like that's what the story was supposed to be mm. yeah it's it's funny that you say that because I thought the same thing. One, he's like, "Oh, we don't match." Oh, right. No. But or, then, mm-hmm. what? I was gonna say, or <laughs> may, maybe this this is also could be like during the same time as Web. So maybe it could have mm-hmm. taken place like in like in the middle well, of Web, where he has the the actual symbiote on. Okay, and then I later a- on, they kind of decided, "No, we're not gonna do that." Sorry, go ahead, Mike. No, you know what? I have a continuity note because I just looked it up. Apparently, when Peter and Black Cat are swinging in the city and they're talking about the power, uh, Black Cat's powers, that takes place after, yes, before Spectacular 100. So, technically, they just had their battle with the Kingpin, and this mm-hmm. is where Spider-Man learns about her powers. So, technically, this uh. is not after Peter Parker 100, it's before it. So, that explains... Mm, that part of it but maybe you're <laughs> right. right maybe he maybe it was meant to be the costume the 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 symbiote? yeah i don't know Possibly. yeah it, it's weird it like it, it seems like maybe the premise was made before everything was finalized in the script and like it really feels like they the writers weren't talking to each other as to totally. what is happening each month in in their respective uh uh issues well, because also, it's all out of place. The fact that we're transitioning from one editor to another could explain that, right? Right. right? Like from Danny yeah. Fingeroth to Jim Mosley, maybe things got lost in the shuffle. Like, and, and also, Al Milgram apparently at this point was off Spectacular temporarily because he was writing uh, Kitty Pride and Wolverine. So maybe he wasn't even in town. You know, who knows? And of course, he never actually came back. So maybe they couldn't hmm. contact. Who knows? But yeah, you're right. There could have been some behind the scenes stuff going on there for sure. Yeah, I just I just figured that like maybe we read them the like in a weird order or like the release schedule is just a little bit strange. Uh-huh. But who knows? I mean, going back to this whole why did he put on that black suit on digital well, original page 15, my guess is that the fifth panel it's like it knew Becca in the future was going to review this because that is a spectacular ass. <laughs> wait, ass wait, always... wait, wait, digital. Did you say digital 15? Original um, 15. Original 15. Oh yeah. If this was the actual symbiote <laughs> costume, it would be far up there. Oh yeah. <laughs> this mm-hmm. black cat knew what she was doing when she yeah. made this suit. It hugs. 
every curve. And I mean, Peter is totally right. Um, what did he say? He said um, she could easily become the Sergio Valente of the superhero set. Yeah, that is a high compliment. Even though Sergio Valente, his specialty was stretch denim. Maybe, maybe they could do the next Spidey. The, oh my god! The do you think that? Suit do denim. you think that this suit is all around jeans? Is this everywhere jeans? <laughs> I hope so. Oh, <laughs> uh, I miss Becca. I mean, I miss her too. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm honestly. I'm gonna send her this this picture of Spidey's butt right now. But anyway. <laughs> That's the takeaway, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there there's not a whole lot to take away. Um, I really no. did like Ollie. Again, that might be a nostalgia factor for me. Um, I like the idea of a kid um, idolizing Spider-Man and wanting to adapt and, and become that, uh, you know, that figure that he, he lo- loves so much. I, I know that my... Uh, when I created my version of this, I the the problem that I ran into was how, what buildings am I going to swing across in Windsor? <laughs> right. So I'm wow. like, well, I've got I've got to have the arms too, then, so I can exactly you know still like jump around as a spider, but I've got these giant arms. So it's I don't know. It's I think it's kind of clever this whole idea with this with this with this kid, but. I, I don't yeah. think it pans out in the end. Right. Like it's, it's, not, it's better. Yeah. It works better. Well, for lack of a better term, it works better on paper. Yeah. It sounds like a good idea, but the issue is not great. Mm-hmm. But no. I do have to give it props again, because every time I read one of these Bronze Age comics and then I go and read a freaking modern comic, I am reminded how dense these comics are and how long they took to read. So even if you want to complain about the content, you can't criticize the form, right? Like, right. It's just so satisfying to read a comic and have it have a complete, like they introduce new characters and then by the end of the story, their story is done and you never see them again. It's great. I don't know. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, personally, I'd like to see more blazing skulls, but that's just me. Yeah. Right. But I mean, like, if I mean, really, if you want to break it down, you have the continuing subplots. You have a page with Black Cat. You have a page with uh, Harry Osborn in the hospital, a page or two. You know, so if you're watching a TV show, that's your your little subplots that you touch on. But then the main mm-hmm. story is done in one. And really, that's the way you do it, right? So that when new readers come in, they get their full story. They're done in one. And then they also get their subplots that make them want to come back for more. And I don't understand why Marvel and DC can't enforce that now. You know? Yeah. I mean, the movies, well, I the mean, movies know how to do it. but Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, every uh, television show on earth knows how to do it. Exactly. It's just Marvel and DC don't want to do it. But anyway, so I, again, I recommend this one mildly. I think it's like, it's fun, but it's not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh, what about you? Um, I, I don't think I would recommend it, but I also don't not recommend it. Like it's, yeah. it's pretty like passable to me. It's, right. it's not yeah. something I would go out of my way to, hand to somebody but i also wouldn't discourage anybody from reading it it's pretty like middle middle uh i don't know tier? it's yeah middle tier mid tier 
it's it's fine it's it's got some fun parts to it but i think as a whole it doesn't really work as a great story so right um i know it's it's hard to say i don't recommend it yeah but i wouldn't say i would recommend it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. the listeners i think understand what i'm trying to say (laughs) yeah (laughs) um i gotcha uh, okay (laughs) (laughs) i I recommend it for sure for the art. The art is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the I feel like everyone needs to know. I needs to know Ollie. Ollie Osnick is like the next person we create a campaign for because, mm-hmm. like, you know, little round Jolie also was bullied, mm-hmm. but I didn't. I had no interest in robotics, so <laughs> um, instead I took the bullying. <laughs> Which sucked. And also, I didn't really know who Spider-Man was. Because, you know, they they gendered reading. So, you know, it was weird for me to like Spider-Man. Right. If I wa- even if I wanted to, I wouldn't admit it. Um, but I didn't really know who he was. Mm-hmm. Um, I know now. Yeah. And everybody... I Okay, so <laughs> I just got to cut this off. Everybody that I recommend this to, if you ever, if you ever had someone call you fat, if you ever felt fat, um, if you ever ate fat, read this book and you will know Ollie Osnick and love him. There you go. Yeah. All right. Now we are going to move on to Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man 101 um, the only thing I can say, the first thing I want to say about this comic, and it, <laughs> it is as a very iconic cover. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's oft reprinted. It's oft talked about, talked about. Um, it's, <laughs> it's funny because it's drawn by John Byrne, who I'm not a huge fan of, but this is, uh, this is the, I, this is a solid cover. And it's funny because this is 1985, but it looks like 1990s Sin City, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, it, like black and white, but you know the white, like his feet, the the soles of his feet are white, so you can see where they are. Uh, Spider Man's all in black; he's in his black costume. the The cityscape is all black and white, so it's a great cover. The only mm-hmm. unfortunate thing about it is it has nothing to do with the content. Uh, he's <laughs> in. A, you open it up; he's in a different costume. Uh, right. You know, it, there's. I mean, a great cover, but they should have used it on a different story, right? They should have used this mm-hmm. on web. Yep. Yeah. I mean, web has a great maybe cover, but yeah, you're right. It does. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, maybe that's why they didn't use it on web. Cause they're like, ah, Vess already did a bang right. up job. Right, right. I mean, even in amazing, this would have been good. He wears the black costume in, in amazing. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I love this cover. I want this as a poster. Right. It's mm-hmm. so fun. It's just, uh, uh, yeah, and I mean, again, like, I, I'm very critical of uh, John Byrne, especially his later career, but this is great. It's just perfect simplicity, great design, like, you know, you can see the, the like, his his one, what is that, his right arm? Right arm or left arm? Anyway, you can see, like, the separation of the two buildings. Right. Like, his arm goes between them, so that's cool. And then the fact that his, the soles of his feet are white, even though they wouldn't be, but who cares? Like, you can see where those are. It's just perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. This is, like, the sweet spot in his career before he re- kind of started to go down. So, yeah, this is great stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Um, then you open up a comic, and it's a different story. Uh, okay, so written by Carrie Burkett, who who's written some issues of Marvel Team Up that we were very critical of. Uh, mm-hmm. This issue is inked by Jack Abel, who's a classic Marvel inker, and it's drawn by Juan Alacantara, who I have never heard of. And we could talk more about that later. The art is not terrible, but it certainly doesn't look like standard art of the day. So I'm not sure what this guy's story is, if he was up and coming, or maybe he was just someone who wasn't really involved in comics. But it doesn't look like a typical Marvel comic of the day, right? Um, right. I definitely have fond memories of this comic because I've had it since I was a kid. Um, we've got an opening sto- uh, little scene here where uh, Peter Parker sneaks into a... Is it a baseball game? Yeah. No. Oh no. It's a, a concert. It's a blue It's a bluegrass concert. Right. Oh right. But I like the fact that he goes through the trouble of actually paying for a ticket, right? But he he sneaks in and then watches the concert by creating a spider hammock, like a web hammock from like the, you know, the the the, the lights at the top of the stadium. I think that's that's really cool. And like this mm-hmm. scene here where he kind of like he accidentally catches two people making out like below him and like, you know, behind like this stadium wall here is really fun. This is this opening scene is classic Peter Parker. I love mm-hmm. it. It's classic Spidey. Then we get kind of a weird scene where suddenly he has these first of all psychedelic flashbacks, but but that's beside the <laughs> point. But he remembers uh, he suddenly has a flashback of remembering <laughs> Gwen Stacy, which is kind of shoved in there, but no, that's fine. Then he helps someone, you know, change a flat tire on their van. But then he looks over and he sees uh, whatever this is, the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, and then that brings back more memories of Gwen. And again, it's like, okay, I I, I get it. This is what the issue is going to be about. But it is kind of weird that like all of a sudden in the middle of the ongoing Spidey saga, he just has memories of Gwen. And it it clearly shows that this was probably a fill-in they just had in the drawer. And they thought, okay, well, we got to fill in an issue. We'll shove it in here and just get out of the way. So then Spidey uh, goes about his day. And then we cut over to Killer Shrike. Again, this leads me to believe that this could have been a Marvel team-up, right? This could have been Spider-Man and Killer Shrike. Is it Killer Shrike? Yeah, it's Killer Shrike, right? Uh... Is that his name? Oh, it's our favorite Dom, isn't it? Blacklash. Oh, it's Blacklash. Where did I get Killer Shrike from? But anyway... So yeah, Blacklash decides he's going to. I kept wanting to say Whiplash. Yeah. Oh, because he <laughs> did change his name. But this. Oh, is, it, yeah. does he become Whiplash? Yeah, he changed. Okay, because it's say he's yeah. the same ponytail and everything. Right. So he decides to attack this. Um, what is it? Is it like a casino? Uh, something. <laughs> uh, to be honest, it's a this research. This is the, the issue this industrial... week. That's just a blur. It's Research a blur. Complex? Yeah. It's no, no, no. I, I mean, granted, I was watching an episode of Happy. I might be mixing the two up because he was in a in a in a racetrack. But anyway, so the point is, is Spider-Man finds out what's going on. He sneaks in, has a fist fight. The guy kidnaps this girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Blacklash kidnaps this girl. Spider-Man comes in. They have a big fight. Uh, and then meanwhile, there's a subplot with um. The girl's boyfriend, right? Who who wants to like, who wants to kind of like get in there and like save the day? Yeah. Oh, it seems yeah. to go on forever. And then um, I don't even remember how it gets resolved. Spider Man punches him. That's he has to. Yeah, he like webs him up so he doesn't go and interfere with the kidnapping with right. the hostage situation. Mm-hmm. 
but, but yeah, and like there's a little subplot about oh the boyfriend learning his lesson or whatever, and then like Spider Man has a flashback of Gwen, and then you know Spider Man saves the day, and then he goes home and he's watching on the news, and at the very end we get this, you know, scene of him going to Gwen Stacy's uh, tombstone, leaving flowers, and then like going away, and it's just. Oh man. Okay, it's a fill in. I can forgive a lot. But it's just really forced, really forced uh this whole Gwen Stacy thing is really melodramatic yeah. and just it's really aggravating how it's just shoved in there and we get to the end and like, you know, the, the flower on the tombstone is supposed to kind of like really, you know, leave a lump in our throat, but it just comes across as really forced. I don't know. This yeah. is like this is the kind of Spider-Man feeling I don't like, so I can't recommend this issue. Josh, you sound like you want to say how something. does this how does this even relate to Gwen Stacy? It doesn't. It like doesn't. it because he's saving a blonde woman. Well, yeah, that's the thing. They always yeah. that's always like you could take any Spider-Man story and be like, I don't want to get involved, but wait a minute, let me flash back to Uncle Ben. And you could do every Spider-Man comic with a flashback to either Uncle Ben or Gwen Stacy, right? But the fact that mm -hmm. they s hit you over the head with it is so just embarrassing. It's not good. And I bet no. you that Carrie Burkett walked away thinking, oh, another good one in the can. I did it again. But it's crap. <laughs> I, think, I think it would have been more powerful if we didn't have all of these weird uh, fl uh, flashbacks to Gwen or these like weird... Uh, like you were saying, psychedelic trips where Gwen is just like there with Spider-Man. Right. If, if he would have just at the end said something like, I'm glad that I was able to save someone and that, you know, they were this couple was able to live and and be together at the end. And then he goes and visits the grave silently. That right. is stronger. But we get it. We get Peter is sad about Gwen's death. Right. So him going to see her at the end of the issue doesn't have any impact because we see her this entire book. We Good know point. that he's already sad. Like it, th there's nothing here that actually adds to the story. Um, I, I think that the panels themselves are powerful and good. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't add anything to the story. No. It is the problem. Um, I and, love that there's no dialogue. There's no word. It's, it's nothing. It just has epilogue a few days later. And we right. see uh, Peter in in costume swing to the graveyard and uh, leave a flower at a tombstone. And then the last panel is uh, the the front of the, the, the tombstone. And we see Gwendolyn Stacy um, and the rose in front of the in, in front of the grave. It's it's really nice. And it's a very good ending it's just not the ending to this story right good mm. exactly exactly so uh gradually what do you think um i thought it was gonna be really fun <laughs> we were treated to like a really excellent cover mm -hmm. and then it said echoes and then tonight only bluegrass music festival featuring dale reinhold and the chicken pickers and i was and then i was like oh What's going down at the Bluegrass Festival? Like, what kind of crime could be happening here? <laughs> oh, you know, the crime of Bluegrass. But <laughs> even 
That's, it all went downhill immediately after this. Because right. even Spider-Man is like, you know, this is not my kind of thing. I don't usually do this. Okay, so why are you here? Right. And it's it's this. The smell, the sounds, it evokes emotion. The seeing of the couples together, it evokes all the emotion in him and reminds him of Gwen Stacy. So had he not gone to a concert that he'd never, ever go to to begin with, what, you're, to, you're telling me he would have never... We would have never had this issue. Literally and figuratively. Right. Um, we've ne- we would have never... Like, one, the first memory of him is weird. Sorry, the first memory of her is right, weird. Right. The, the one He's, in her in the pinup style suit yeah. that's like... Mm-hmm. Uh, as tall as a skyscraper that one exactly yeah that, oh that one the one where they draw her to look like a porn star where they clearly drew her naked and then were, was like oh wait she's naked just like uh, a, a black um, sharpie and <laughs> covered uh, it up yep yeah. we'll put her in a black bathing suit inappropriate like just what i don't understand how the woman you love comes to you in a vision and she's in a she's in swimwear mm-hmm. <laughs> bent over <laughs> and in swimwear good point. good point like it's a really weird thought to be having did did bluegrass uh, really make him did, seeing those couples and all that bluegrass music did it give him other thoughts like yeah. <laughs> maybe he regrets maybe the echoes that we're talking about are the echoes of his regret for breaking up with Felicity and Fe- you know, Felicia and you know what's a good point is that never in any comic did Gwen dress like this like she was you know give her like a nice right mini skirt or something but yeah what the hell she's just naked with like blue stuff covering her torso it's ridiculous look at how big her jugs are yes. they're gigantic <sighs> yes you're right it doesn't make none of this makes sense. But here's the thing: this artist is pretty good. <laughs> he is right. good. Like, yeah. Okay, you know what's funny? I just looked him up. This is the only Marvel comic he's ever done, and his only mm-hmm. other comic book credit um, is like a indie thing. So he's probably not a comic artist. He's probably like you know an illustrator or whatever he is. But he clearly is a skilled artist. Uh, he knows. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the only weird thing, if you really look at his pages. If you flip through them, you'll notice most of his shots are all medium. The characters, the size of the characters don't change in the panel. So mm-hmm. he might have changed that up a little bit, like done a close-up, then a wide shot, then a whatever shot. But his actual skill, there's nothing wrong with his skill. So the artwork is actually no. fine. Yeah. It, it, like the women are very, very like buxom the way right. that he draws them. Right. And maybe that's like, maybe he's... <laughs> I was like, is Peter misremembering the love of his life? Is that why he's confused? Like, he's this other woman that he's helping to rescue. Is that why she's also reminding him of Gwen Stacy? Because both of their racks are gigantic. <laughs> yeah. they're, both, they're all <laughs> kinds of blonde. Wouldn't that be legs funny if we just saw days. a blonde with huge tits? He's like, Gwen, I have memories of kind of killed Gwen. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even Gwen. draw in her face. <laughs> yeah. Like that's all that Peter remembers. Like that's, that, I mean, they might as well have done that. There's no reason for her to be here. 
like no. they could have erased this and just been like dang it it sure would be nice to see some boobies right now like right. what <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense oh my god it's awful and you know i i was really looking forward to this issue when i when i was reading the first page i th- i thought it was a really fun idea it's clever right yeah. he, he slipped some money to the guy at the box office uh, so he can, you know, he pays for a ticket, essentially. He webs himself yeah. a hammock and he's relaxing, uh-huh. about to watch a concert. It's super fun. And then yeah. <laughs> what? And then what? Did Gwen listen to Bluegrass? I don't know. Like, no connection. Like, you couldn't have written something like, oh, she she really liked jazz music or whatever. Uh-huh. Like it reminds. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that you know this swanky uh this swanky band was going to be playing this song that reminds me of her it's nothing right it right, could have right. been her favorite her favorite band yeah no he just Literally he just sees anything. some this couple making out and he's like oh boy mm-hmm. uh, yeah this <laughs> this one is really disappointing yep yeah because it and not only get, sorry, is get, it disappointing oh sorry no, I was just going to say, again, I think it's kind of like like it's really a cool idea on paper, right? Like he he saves this couple or th- this woman and, and um, her boyfriend is unable to help in this situation. And he's able to actually stop the villain this time and unite this couple again. And mm-hmm. that can relate to Gwen. But the entire time leading up to this moment... Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't make sense why he's thinking about her or why she has been showing up in like these weird hallucination type, you know, things. Right, it, right. If at the end they just make reference to it again with him visiting her at the at the grave site, then that mm-hmm. would be a stronger ending. And, and I don't think this issue would be as weak. Right, right. No. And like that fight between him and blacklash lasted like 12 billion pages yeah right right it shouldn't right like the only the only panel that mattered was the one where blacklash is like oh well like every good dom i carry an extra whip like yeah (laughs) what Uh, that was the best that was the best part of the 12 billion pages that i read because we we know that he foils blacklash Part of it is just like him. Do you know what? Three whole pages are just Blacklash swinging the his whip, yeah, towards yep. Spidey, and it's like, okay, is anyone gonna walk towards each other? Right, right. You're totally right. I'm looking so at that right terrible. now. You're right. Terrible. Right. One, oh. two, three, four, five, six panels, seven panels black. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, they so. The entire time they're talking about Gwen or Peter is imagining Gwen and Mm -hmm. there's this blonde woman that is supposed to, I guess, kind of look like her. Um, And there's a villain with a rope. Now, don't you Mm -hmm. think that they would maybe play homage to her death and have him like have her tied to the end of the the whip and like dangling off of a building or something to actually yeah. have it tie into that story. Right, right. The mm-hmm. only thing that's tied in is the fact that she's a blonde woman. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that one part where she's like, "Oh god, she looks so scared." 
the look in her eyes is exactly the look that Gwen had in her eyes. It's like, this is, Fear? you're reaching, Peter. <laughs> Peter, are you okay? Peter? <laughs> yeah, it's it's very strange. And again, I thought that they were going to build up to a moment where, like, he has to save her from falling again. But mm-hmm. no, 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 they, uh, Nothing. no, he just punches him. Yeah. Uh, well, the good news <sighs> is, is there's more fill-ins to come. Oh, good yikes. And the next issue <laughs> of Peter Parker is also written by Carrie Burkett. So we have more to look forward uh-huh. to next week. Right. Oh. But anyway, uh, uh, so yeah, this was a strange week. We, you know, we got a new Spider-Man title, so that's good. Unfortunately, in the same uh, week that we get a new Spider-Man title, we already have fill-ins for other books, meaning that they, at this point, don't have enough good Spidey stories to fill in to fill out three <laughs> titles. So I don't know why they need three of them, but that's neither here nor there. I uh, I don't recommend this issue. I don't think anyone should reread it. I, or sorry, read it. I don't want to reread it, but I probably will read it. Uh, Josh, do you recommend this issue? No. No, I don't. Uh, G.I. Jolie. Oh, no. No, not even to, like, replace, like, toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I recommend the art. The art's cool. Considering this is the only comic this guy ever drew, it's kind of cool to see his art. Yeah. Yeah. The cover's fantastic. (laughs) I recommend you Google it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is. Well, and everyone, yeah, this is, like I said, off reprinted, off talked about. Everyone loves this cover. It's kind of universal. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. so yeah, Josh, you can take it from here. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. It really helps when you leave us a review over on Apple Podcast or dropping us a line on Twitter at, at HCT SpiderCast. Uh, we really want to hear what you guys think about the episodes and the, um, the issues that we're reading and talking about. So, Please, uh, please uh, contact us and keep in touch. We want to keep that conversation going. That's right. And join us next week for a special look at X-Men crossovers featuring Spider-Man and a very special guest in the form of Harvey Brent from Full Volume. Right. So, and that's and X-Men number 190 and X-Men number 191. Right. That's right. Just in if case you want to read along read with along. us. Yeah. So until next Monday, Spider-Friends... Go for it! <laughs>